Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. All right, let's look at uh, this year, what we're, what we're up to at Grace Covenant Church, because this uh, is a breakthrough year for us. There's the, I could go on for a long time about how strategic this year is in the history of our church, but I'll just say for no other reason than we have room finally. We have room in this auditorium and in education space for adults and our children's ministry. That's, I don't know if we've ever actually been confident that everyone could bring someone. And they finally finished the road construction. That's a good thing too. Um, the leadership is in a super healthy position. The ministries are, are almost in full uh, swing of able to care for people. And I'll just, just say it another way. Aslan is, is walking amongst us. Aslan is on the prowl. He's on the move here at Grace Covenant Church. It's a good time to be at Grace. It's a safe time to be at this church. So do this. Add one plus one. Here's what I'm asking you to do. Consider this. Bring someone to church this year. Bring a friend. Consider that God has arranged relationships ahead of time for you to be involved in bringing the good works of God into their life, that you would display the good works of God so that you could bring that into their life. Okay, talking about Jesus, tell them your story, bring them to church. Threatening, right? I mean, it's so hard to, it's hard to do that. And I wanted to just review what we talked about last week, why you should be confident about doing ministry. Okay, three reasons, I'll add another one, but three reasons we looked at very quickly, I'll review why you should be confident to do ministry, to bring the good works of, of God, the goodness of God into people's life. One is your status, your status as a priest. Okay, first, or first Peter says this, right? He says, and you were a chosen people, you're a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own uh, possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. So he called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. It, I mean, you just have this, we have this status that we're a royal, right, royal priesthood. At, at Grace, we say every believer is a minister. Every, every believer is a minister priest. I mean, that's, right, that, that's an office that you get to be the person to talk to people about God. That's what priests do. They talk to God about people and people about God. And that's why at Grace, we say regularly, I'm just a pastor, but you guys are the, that's right, you're the ministers, and there's ministry out there to be had. And I mean, if you look at that uh, passage in First Peter, it says, uh, okay, you know what, like vision this. Just picture it like being on a team, right? We, we are, <laughs> we're on one holy nation, that's the name of our team, one holy nation, right? Our uniforms are uh, a possession of God, it says, right? chosen by God, a pos- his, his own possession. We have a position to play. Royal priesthood. We're on a team. We've got our uniforms, royal priesthood. And then it says, so that you can sit on the bench and wait till Jesus comes back. No, it says, so that you can demonstrate the goodness to God in people's lives. Right? So if, if, if I were the coach, I'd say, you know, get out there and do goodness. <laughs> you know, go out there and ex- tell people about, about Jesus Christ. Still nervous? What if I told you that the game is rigged? What if I told you the game was rigged? That, that 
he's already set up plays for you to succeed in. Now you want to play? It's easier to play that, right? Because the second thing that we learned last week is, is, is he set us up to win. Look what it says in um, Ephesians chapter 2. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Those are the good works, right? Which God, God prepared in advance for us to do. Before the foundations of the world, he was calling a play for you to play as a priest. And you're, you're going to go along, just, just, just he's going to throw the ball to you, okay? Good works in Christ before time for you to display the goodness of God to your neighbors. And if that weren't enough, that you have this status as a player, a priest, and then, right, the game is rigged. Okay, let me give you a third reason why you should have confidence in doing ministry. Don't be bashful. Be confident. It's because uh, of the way God keeps score. The success in ministry, ministry success in the way God does it is it makes us desire to be involved in this because God has allowed the hard work to be done by the Holy Spirit. We just do the easy stuff. Jesus said before he left, he said, look, the Spirit's coming. I have to leave, but the Spirit's coming so he can convict men of sin. That's the hard stuff. You can't, you can't do that. Yelling doesn't work. Nagging doesn't work, right? That's God's spirit. All we do, we do the easy stuff. We're just the messengers. We, I mean, we, you know, we, it's like it's out of our pay grade to, to do much more than just display the goodness of God. Paul puts it like this in an analogy. It's like fundamentals of farming. You know, he's just kind of doing what he has to do. So he says this. I, I planted. That was easy stuff. I stuck the seed in the ground. Apollos, that's this other guy. He watered. That's easy stuff. God was causing the growth. God was doing the hard stuff. So we need to be, we need to be confident in our ministry because God has given us a status as priest. Every believer is a minister. We're royal priests at that. The game is rigged <laughs> before the foundations of the world. And then, and then this is ministry success. This is, how to keep, this is how to keep score, right? You do the easy stuff, leave the hard stuff to the Spirit. You do the easy stuff, leave the hard stuff to the Spirit. Those were the three reasons we looked last week about why you would be involved in ministry and why you should be, more, more importantly, why you should be confident in the ministry that God has given you. I want to bring up the fourth reason today. This is the fourth reason you should be adventurous in your desire to, to pray and care for and share the gospel. It is the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel. Look what it says in Romans, one of my favorite verses. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation, for, the, for everyone who believes, the Jew first and also to the Greek. It is the power of God for salvation. Why should you be confident? Because this is, you're, you're, you're the messenger, absolutely. You're, not, you're just doing the easy stuff. What's your message? Your message is the power of God for salvation. It's the only thing that can change a person in their soul. Because when it says the power of God for salvation, salvation is this holistic term. It's not just referring to, absolutely, by the way, it, re, it, it refers to the forgiveness of sins. Where Jesus takes on our debt, we receive his righteousness. You bet. No guilt. But also includes things that saturate the soul where he is, in, in his experience of a shame-filled death, we receive, he, that's our shame, and we receive his honor. And so, again, we get this new status as a royal priest. We don't hang our heads and mope around. That changes a person's soul. And besides forgiveness and honor, 
He also gives us power. He became powerless so that we might inherit his whole, the Holy Spirit of God. And, and it's, it, it is the reason Paul is not ashamed of the gospel, the reason he does ministry with confidence is because he knows the power of God for salvation is in this message. And, and the, the gospel message is the only way a person's life can change. The gospel message is the only way a soul can change from the inside out. The gospel message is the truths that are found there is the only thing that can undo the crazy of what we do with our lives. Only God's gospel can do that. The power of God in salvation. I wanted you to see the power of salvation today. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to... Um, I'm going to bring a friend up on stage, and she was part of a network of people, unbeknownst to her, that were all minister priests, and they were praying for her, and they were caring for her, and they were looking for opportunities to share with her. So, Jamie, come on up here. We, uh, Jamie works for the Austin Police Department. we got a clip of her training sessions here. It was the power of the gospel that changed your life. Absolutely. Changed your marriage, changed your family. Absolutely. Right? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Why don't you introduce yourself first and we'll get telling your story. Good morning, Grace. Um, I'm Jamie. I'm a police officer. I've worked with the Austin Police Department for almost 10 years now. I'm currently assigned to the mental health unit and um, I'm also a mother and a wife. Right. And um, there's some pictures of your family. There's uh, Here they are. two boys. And Gunter, Gunter was up here last week. Uh, truth be told, we, uh, I, Gunter told the story, he and Gary, about how to do ministry. It was mostly a story about how Gary was placed in Gunter's life during a very difficult time and how they were able to pray for him and care for him and, and uh, talk to him about the goodness of God. And I had plans, different plans for this Sunday, but when I, people started telling your side of the story about the power of the gospel, I said, you, you, have, to, you have to let Jamie tell the other part of the power of God's love in their life. And so that's why Jamie's here. She's Gunter's, and there's some happy pictures of you and Gunter, happily married, uh, but it's not always that way. No. Not, not even close. So what we want to do today is I want you to fill in some of the details that we didn't hear last week about um, where you were in this story of, of people being ministers in your life and, and how it invaded your life. In other words, tell us about how you, you came to Christ and, and what, that, what that meant. Um, so in the fall of 2010, um, my marriage was falling apart. Um, Gunter and I uh, were a mess. And although we'd been married for 13 years, at the time, we weren't even staying in the same rooms. Um, years of insecurity and deceit had led to infidelity. And we were so self-absorbed that our two boys who were in elementary school at the time were practically raising themselves. It was so bad that on two different occasions I had packed the car with our things and the boys and I was going to leave Gunter. Right, and then you were asked to uh, a Christmas uh, tea by your friend uh, um, Janelle? Yes, Janelle, Gary's wife, uh, invited me to the women's Christmas tea that, that year, and it happened to fall on December 1st, which was supposed to be our 13th anniversary. But because we didn't have anything to celebrate, I decided to go to the event. Sure. And what was that like? 
Um, I walked in the room and it was beautiful. All the tables were set up very gorgeous. And, and I sat down at a table um, with some women I really didn't know. And uh, I looked on the table and, and in front of me was this little gift. And I opened it and on, inside was this bracelet. And on the bracelet had an inscription and it said hope. I remember looking at that bracelet and starting to cry because I didn't have any. And um, so God had some special things planned for you that night. I didn't know that what God's plan was for me, that he had, he had put people in my life, women um, that were at this table in my life, um, to help me along my journey. Right. And uh, one of those special women's name was Dawn Patterson. It was her table I was at. And I remember I didn't know her at all. And during the closing prayer, she actually reached across and she grabbed my hand. And she held on so tight, and she didn't stop holding on. We continued to talk for weeks, or for days after that, um, just about my marriage, our issues, about her own brokenness and how she came to Christ. Um, one conversation we had, um, pretty much up to that point, my life had been void of God. And uh, so I asked her, just kind of point blank, <laughs> what is this Lord and Savior stuff? <laughs> and, um, and she told me the ABCs. So you admit your sins, you believe that Jesus died for those sins, and you commit your life to serving Christ. That sounded really good, <laughs> um, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready till about three days later when I was driving in my car, <laughs> of all places. <laughs> I was stopped at a stoplight, and I just started crying. And I knew that at that moment, I needed to accept Christ, and he needed to become the center of my life, that I couldn't go on one second farther without him taking the reins. Uh, I'll bet that stoplight's um, kind of sentimental to you, even now, maybe, I don't know. So, but now this is your birthday, right there uh, under the street light, uh, traffic light. So life gets better for you, and you and things turn around. No, okay, they get worse. No, okay. absolutely not. Okay. No. <laughs> this is going to be a happy story at the end, though, right? <laughs> Come on. Go ahead. What happened next? So 11 days after the Christmas tea, my husband devastated me with his second confession of infidelity. Just minutes before we were supposed to board a plane to go visit his family in Germany for three weeks. I remember grabbing his phone and I ran to the bathroom and I fell on the floor of the nasty bathroom stall and I began to cry. And I called my mom and my mom told me to leave him to get the boys and to come home. I hung up the phone and this voice inside of me said no. Don't do it. Don't quit. So I got up. I walked to the gate, and there was Gunter standing there with the boys, and they were boarding the plane. I had seconds to decide. So I obeyed, and I got on the plane. That must have been some plane ride. 
right? I mean, yeah. is it 10? It's got to be 10 hours at least, right? 11. 11 hours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. So it was actually, we look at it now as God's perfect timing. It's a time we really didn't think so. Um, but we weren't able to just get up and run off. Nobody was there to interject their opinions on what we should do. Um, and, and I remember a couple days into the trip, I took this long walk in the snow. It was really cold. And I fell to my knees, and I looked at the sky, and I begged God for just a huge sign, just something huge so that I wouldn't miss it because I'm, I'm not a subtle kind of girl. And it's, so, so you do the plane ride. Two days later, you're walking in the snow. You fall to your knees. Give me something to stay to stay involved in this, right? Yeah. And so, what do you feel like God answered that prayer? Absolutely. Yeah. About two hours later, uh -huh. <laughs> he, um, I walked in and Gunter and here's this man I've known most of my life, and he's strong, and he's a firefighter. He's valiant. He he runs into burning buildings when everybody else is running out. I've I've seen him repel from buildings downtown and cut people out of cars. And here he was just sobbing, crying from the depths of his soul, begging me for forgiveness. Yeah, and you knew, I guess that is your sign, you knew that had to be real. And in the context of your profession, uh, I would imagine that you're able to see when people are just telling you what, they want, what you want to hear to get them out of something or, or when they're lying. Uh, and you didn't see that in Gunther. No, it was, um, I knew this was coming from the depths of soul. This kind of anguish, this kind of crying out, it, it could have only been from God. And in that moment, God just kind of ignited something inside of me. Just this prompting to extend my hand. So I did. And I asked Gunter to take it, and I told him that we could do it. We could do it together. So you chose to forgive him? Why? I've been learning a lot about God through my Bible reading, through, through my Bible. I, didn't, I forgot to tell you guys that on the night of the Christmas tea, Janelle had actually given me my very first Bible. And so I had started reading it, and the conversations that I'd had, and the things I'd been reading was that God doesn't count one person's sin more than another. So my sin costs the same as Gunther's. Mm -hmm. It was Jesus' death on the cross. And this whole time, God just kept putting it inside my heart that there's so much more to this man. Mm -hmm. And so, so you're still in Germany. You have a three-week trip. You're two days into this. Uh, and, and Gunther has uh, had this, uh, this soul-wrenching apology. You forgive him. And what happens for the rest of the trip? What's going on then? So... It was brutal, but it was very beautiful at the same time. We kind of spent the next three weeks just pulling everything out from underneath the carpet that we'd pushed and stuffed under there for 13 years. I started to read him excerpts from my Bible, and I found a lot of hope. Yeah, I, I mean, I love, I love the idea that you get this brand new Bible, and the Bible only has your first name on it, by the way. If you, if, um, that, we brought that up last week, that they didn't think that you'd still have the same last name when they gave you that Bible. So they just put your first name on it, you bring it on this trip, you pack it not knowing what you'll be greeted with at the gate, 
And then you, you get over there, and here you are opening, cracking this brand-new Bible open, and you guys are, uh, are, are starting to study it. And you get hope back. Your bracelet, your bracelet is telling the truth now. It's a hope bracelet. So um, what, what did you see? Did you see something change in, in Gunter while you, were, while you were over there? Absolutely. In the, the three weeks, our love was strengthened. And when we got back, we had decided that the, the old habits that we had, they needed to change. So we started attending Grace. And um, at the time, God had really surrounded us with a cushion of transparent believers, just people willing to care for us. Um, and uh, along with his friendship with Gary, he also put an, another Christian man in his life who'd experienced very similar circumstances in his marriage. So uh, shortly after we got back from Germany, Gunther had lunch with him, and he came back having given his life to Christ. Mm -hmm. Right. There's a lot of people on this team, uh, One Holy Nation. There's a lot of minister priests out there, and uh, you, again, you, you had been surrounded, Gunther had been surrounded by people uh, caring for him and praying for him. Uh, we're not alone in our work. And uh, as, as, as things went on, now that Gunther's a believer, you are a believer, what, what things did you see happen then? Well, I saw him, I saw God just change this man from, from being cold and callous to just warm and loving and devoted, and he we started um, doing marriage ministry. We got marriage ministers and John and Don Patterson. And, and he really just changed our lives dramatically. Our, our children, um, we started praying with our children and they started smiling. Right. And he's just, he's really given me the greatest gift of all, the salvation. He, he saved my marriage. I mean, I think we would have been happy with just an average marriage. Sure. But God has gone above and beyond because that's what he does, right? And he has given us a phenomenal marriage. Right. That's great. That is the power of salvation from God. That's what we're talking about. The power of God in salvation. I, want, I wanted Gunther to come on up here. Come on. So uh, this guy, you guys, you guys are awesome. Uh, yeah. Stand next to so uh, what, what, what do you feel like has changed the most? We go back to 2011 when all the miracles start happening. What, how, do, how do you think things have changed? How has God developed? So I think uh, one of the biggest things is that uh, while we were living outside of God's will before, now it's just everything we do, we pray about it. We follow his lead on, on, on every choice, every decision that we have to make, whether that's uh, with family, parenting, finances, uh, career choices, anything like that. Um, both of our kids have uh, given their life to Christ and uh, over the last few years, all, uh, both wanted to be baptized. So I got to baptize our youngest one, he's sitting right there. And um, our oldest one actually asked Gary to baptize him. So mm -hmm. the guy who got the whole ball rolling, it was really neat how, how he got to baptize him a few years back at, at church camp. That's awesome. What, what about you, Jamie? Um, I know what trust is for the first time in my life. And uh, I trust God with the direction of my life. I know it's going to be an adventure ride, um, but I trust the plans that he has for me. Abundant life. He promised an abundant life. What, what advice would you give um, the congregation in light of, of your experience together and in your experience with God that maybe anybody could take away an application here? Um, you know, we both know the pain of living outside of God's will. 
And I would say that uh, obedience. Obedience is the key that uh, trust God's promptings and follow them. Uh, it just makes sense, uh, and it's always worth it. And um, Your first act of obedience was a very difficult one, maybe your hardest. Absolutely. It was in the bathroom of the airport. <laughs> yeah. So that phone call to my mother, um, to tell you a little bit about my mom, she's a very strong woman. Uh, she raised me single mom. She was a sergeant in the Army and a black belt in Hapkido. She's a force to be reckoned with. And she always taught me, you don't need a man. So when I was on that bathroom floor and my mom told me to leave him, I had to choose between everything my flesh was telling me to do and God's will. And so I chose God's will. And it had the greatest blessing. Absolutely. So yeah, the greatest act of obedience has a nice return on that. So anyway, you guys are awesome. Thank you guys for coming and sharing your story with us. Thank you. The power of God for salvation right there. You know, it's a special type of courage that uh, motivates a man to run into a burning building. That takes a certain type of courage uh, to motivate a woman to chase a bad guy. They have that. There's a different type of courage that says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with what's true in my life, that I do not have a relationship with God and something has to be done outside of me. It takes a different type of courage that says, I need help uh, with my marriage. I'm going to go seek advice for that. It takes a special type of courage to say, there is the power of God in salvation that's not being applied and I need to do this. So I, I, hope, I hope you heard about that kind of courage today. It's 2017 at Grace Covenant Church. It, I hope it's our prayer that will be a breakthrough year, not just for our church, but for the people of our church. We're trying to do whatever we can to help people understand and how to live a life uh, that's worthy of the Lord. That's what we do here. And let me just tell you how we're going to start off starting next week. We're going to start a series together called Resolve. And the purpose of the, of the series of Resolve is to find out a lot like what Jamie was talking about, like what, is motiv what motivates us? What causes us, right, to be who we are? Maybe the way we're made and maybe sometimes experiences we've had or the way we were raised, whatever it might be. But we're going to go into this. We'll have a resolve to have God's power of salvation touch those parts of our lives that can ab absolutely change us. Resolve is based on a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. We went through this about ten, five, five years ago or so. Uh, six years ago is leadership and went, wow. What, uh, it's based on these beliefs. One is a prayer by St. Augustine who prayed, Lord, grant me the ability to know myself so that I can know you. John Calvin put it in another way. He said, our wisdom consists almost entirely of two aspects. One, our knowledge of ourself, and two, our knowledge of God. In the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, in the Resolve series that we'll do, we'll go into those places and investigate how God can customize his grace in our lives so that we might be transformed. That's what we're going to do. Here's what we're asking people to do to get involved in that. One, buy the book. Emotionally Healthy Spirituality is on sale in the lobby. We're going to lose 68 cents every time we sell one of those books. We want you to buy one. Start reading uh, chapter 6, believe it or not. We'll look at chapter 6 next week. I like to start in the middle. Uh, 
The second thing, besides buying the book and participating in our, our six-week series together, is to get involved in some kind of group so that you can apply and discuss the material. If you're involved in some kind of midweek group already, then we want you to change your curriculum and join us for six weeks. If you want to start something at work or in your neighborhood or wherever it might be, let's go. Let's get the book. Let's, let's do the questions. And then for the first time we've been able to do this, we hadn't been able to do it before, if you want to join a group here on campus on Sunday, come to the 915 service, hear the sermon, cross the hallway into our old auditorium. We'll have tables set up with, with discussion leaders, and we can get right on it right then and there. Starting next week, if you want to come and, and do a discussion with us, by all means, do that, okay? Uh, you can come at 915 and then walk right into a discussion itself. Make plans for that plan to resolve. What is the goal of all of this? At, at Grace, if you look carefully, you might find that our vision statement is considerably different. Honestly, if you go into the depths of it, considerably different than a lot of churches. And the reason is, is most churches have as some kind of vision statement, some you know, big plan uh, to reach the world or city, whatever it might be. And we've chosen not to do that, even over the evolution of our uh, vision our vision uh, statements. We've chosen to st instead make the vision the prayers of the apostles. If you look at the epistles, the apostles wrote those, right? The saints wrote those. And their prayers are almost entirely about the maturation of the saints, not about everything. It's about souls being made whole. In other words, the, the, the prayers of Peter and Paul in the epistles, the letters to the churches, they give their greatest anguish and energy and concern towards maturity, completeness, fullness of, of who you were meant to be. Paul puts it this way in Colossians chapter 1. He says, we continually, here's his prayer, we continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through the wisdom and understanding that, that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. You're bearing, you know, fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. That's what we want to do. That's what we, that's what we do here. That's the, in many ways, that's the vision of our church, whether it's connected through relationships or transformed by God's grace or, or committed to service. Those things are a means to making us complete and whole. And and we want that for you. That's what we do here. That's our vision. Now, what are you to do? I would say this. Seize this moment. Seize this moment. This is a very special time at this church. It's for such a time as this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Aslan is on the roam here. Spirit of God is moving in special ways. So be holy. Like they were talking about. Just... <laughs> Honestly, just obey. It's easier. It's faster. It's better. You'll be blessed by it. Obey. Let's just say we're going to spend this year obeying and see what happens. Be praying. Be praying for you to hear God's voice and how he might be able to apply the power of the salvation uh, to aspects of your life that need to be altered, to be, need to be set free, right? Shame that needs to be brought out into the light that needs to be set free. Be praying for that. Be praying for, I want you to be praying for your friends and your neighbors. Pray for the people on your row, that they will hear God's voice as well. And last, be willing. Be willing. Be willing to change. Be willing to, right, hear. Uh, be willing to be a minister. You have, you have a status as a high priest. 
a royal priest, rather. Play that status. It's a funny time to be here. We're, we have a lot of people coming. We have a lot of people visiting. A number of you are bringing your friends. That's the very best way for people to come to church. But we have a lot of people. The second com- most common way that people come to this church is they just see it on the freeway. God's doing the heavy lifting. He's convicting them of something. They, I need to get back to church. Where should I go? Oh, yeah, I drive by this twice a day. And they come in here. There's a lot of funny stories that I get to hear about people that just were led here. And then they couldn't not come. They just felt like they had to come back the next week. And again, we heard it over the Christmas Eve. This one woman came to all three services on Christmas Eve. Uh, she's from New, New Jersey and, and, and came back the next week too and said, how do I watch this online? How did you find us? I just drove here. And then I couldn't leave. She was the last one to leave. I had to walk her out at 8.30. Okay? She was, she was here longer than I was. She was here before he, I was here, and, and then I walked her out. Those are the stories we hear. So here's the point. Here's the point of, of people just visiting randomly. You are the director of first impressions for people like that. Okay? Just a, a happy smile, a good greeting, a desire to hear God. I, there's a story of someone in here that, that they just felt led to say to someone on their row, are you okay? Can I pray for you? And it changed their life. Could you just hear God's voice? That you would come to church and say, I'm here to do ministry. I'm looking for someone to care for. Prayer, care, share. That's what we do at Grace. i tell you what, just like last week, why don't we start with practice? Why don't we all stand up? Greet one another and say, I think you have a great ministry next this year. Hey, let me, let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we ask that this would be a breakthrough year, Grace Covenant Church, for the church, but because of all the souls that are in this church, I'd ask that you would cause us to have a fullness of the expression of your power that is in salvation and in our relationship with you. I, I pray Paul's prayer that when he was singing of grace. He said, for this reason, since the day I heard of grace, We never stop praying for you. We are continually asking that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and all the understanding that the Spirit gives so that that you might live a life worthy of the Lord and, and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that we would have great endurance and we'd have great patience towards one another. Lord, I'd ask that you would be giving us joyful thanks to the Father who qualified us to share in the inheritance of all the holy people who are part of this one holy nation, this kingdom of light. Lord, I'd ask that uh, we would appreciate 
how you sent your son to rescue us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son who loved us, gave his life to redeem us, and forgave us of our sins. We, we'd ask that you bless this church and bless her indeed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about Grace, visit our website at grace360.org.